Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, would y'all consider coming back in just a minute and let's keep singing that? Make a note. Hey, how y'all doing? Oh, I didn't know y'all were here. I was just having a conversation with Jari. Happy New Year. So far, so good? Did your team win? Well, doesn't matter. God is good all the time. So what we just sang, I had a moment this morning, I was standing up there and singing it, and I said the line wrong. I said, it's my breath in my lungs. And then it hit me. And I just looked up and said, God, I didn't mean that. It's your breath in my lungs. Do you realize that everything you have today, he He gave you that, every good gift, the air in your lungs. And for some of us who've had some of the stuff going around, air in our lungs is a nice thing. I mean, seriously, everything, God did it for you. So what's been your response to him? What have you said to him? My word for this year? And I'm shocked that it has not been my word. I looked, I went back 25 years, never had this word. But God put it on my heart several weeks ago. My word for the year, worship. Worship. Worship is like breathing to my body, but worship is breathing for my soul. If you don't breathe, your body doesn't survive. If you don't worship, your soul shrivels up, and it's nasty. When you recognize that God is good, and God has put breath in your lungs, and God has given us all that we have, oh my goodness, it, it, worship is a response. It's our response to what God has done. Yesterday, I got to celebrate the 45th anniversary with the woman of my dreams. Rachel and I celebrated 45 years. I mean, we married when we were seven years old. We were sitting there talking about the goodness of God. And she said, so what would you say if people asked, what's the secret of 45 years? And I said, lower your expectations. She said, no, that is not a good answer. But it works, I mean, right? Be forgiving, what, what I meant. So we were sitting there, and we almost said it simultaneously. Jesus, the center of your marriage. The more you try to be like him, and the more you want him in the center of your marriage, the better it's going to go. And I just believe that for that reason, if no other reason, I'm going to worship today. Because God has blessed me, and God has been good to me. So we've come to a chapter in the study of 1 Corinthians where it's all about worship. 
It's all about worship. You know why? Because it was an issue. Worship is still an issue. And, and I still think there are places that they, they don't get it. They complicate it. They, they make it confusing and distract. But can I just give you the simple definition and, and maybe a quote that will kind of let you into my heart and mind. Paul David Tripp, one of my favorite authors. This, this is what he said. Corporate worship. It's designed, it's designed to remind you that in the center of all things is a glorious and gracious king. And this king is not you. It's not me. He's in the center of it all. So everything we do to focus on him when we gather, <clears throat> that's worship. Anything we do that distracts from him, that's not worship. Don't call it worship. So Paul had to address that. And I am just committed to the fact that if my word is worship for the year, which it is, God's going to show me things that I've never seen. But one of the commitments I've made, God, I promise, I'll do everything within my power so that when we gather, and he's talking in this chapter, by the way, about the public gathering. Now, I need to quickly say, I believe worship is a lifestyle. I don't have to have a song to worship. I can tell God what an awesome God he is. I don't have to sing it. But if I got a song handy, I'll sing it too. Songs help us to express our heart. But worship is a lifestyle. Worship is when you get up every day and you say, God, thank you for another day. Thank you that I can get up. Worship is when you see a sunrise or sunset and you say, God, you're so awesome. Worship is a life that you live literally to glorify him because God is good to you. So don't think of worship as just a service or worship as just a song. It's really our response to everything that he's done. But it can take the form of a song. And there is such a thing in the Bible called the public gathering, which is what he's addressing in chapter 14. So I have made some commitments to the team. I met with Jarin and the team and I said, guys, these are questions we're going to ask about every time we gather. As we're planning, we're going to ask these four uh, questions because it's what I take from this text. It's what I hear in this text. Before I give you those four, let, let me define some terms because as we start moving through the text, terms, have you ever talked to somebody and they're using the same words, but they're using a different dictionary? Because you're, you're like, whoa, I know what you're saying, but that's not what I mean by that word. Let's get at least the same common definition. One word you're going to hear a lot about is tongues. What's he mean, tongues? Someone who speaks in a tongue. The tongues he's referring to here is different than the tongues of Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, they're in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden everybody is hearing the gospel in their own language. The gift of tongues in that particular situation was the gift of a known language. The tongues he's referring to are those who've been given a gift by God to speak in a prayer language, in a heavenly language. And many of you in the room, you have this gift. Every time I travel, uh, especially in Brazil, I, man, people pray over me in a tongue. It's beautiful. Even here that happens. It, it's still a gift. 
It's still operating with restriction, with clear counsel from Paul. We'll see it. But when he says tongue, he's referring to somebody who has that gift to praise or to glorify God in a, in a language that's really, to me or to you, it sounds gibberish. But to God, it sounds beautiful because he gave them that gift. Second thing, interpretation of tongues. That's when God wants somebody to hear whatever it is you were saying to him. And so somebody will have a gift of interpretation near you and they will share it. If there's nobody there to have that interpretation, then don't worry about it. Just keep praising the Lord. Third thing, prophecy. Now, prophecy is a big word in the New Testament. And unfortunately, sometimes we in the culture we live in, we understood prophecy as end times. It's not about end times. It's about everything, truth. Prophecy is not as much about somebody telling the future as it is somebody telling the truth. Just speaking truth. It's proclamation. It's what happens every weekend here. And there are those that God gives that gift, gift to, and they exercise that gift in the public gathering. And so when you see the word prophecy, just think of a preacher or think of someone who's speaking truth. And then the last is the word edification. You're going to hear a lot about edification. You know why? Because Paul wanted above all, whatever happens in our worship services, may it edify the body. May it lift up the body of Christ. May it encourage the body of Christ. May it comfort the body of Christ. In other words, if it doesn't do anything for the body of Christ, why are we doing it? So those terms will kind of show up. Let me give you the principles that we're going to talk about. Okay, there are four of them. And if you could just wrap your mind around and your heart around these four, I'm sure there are many others we could, we could assign to this, but these are the four that really hit me as I walked through them. First of all, order, the order principle. Is it spirit-led? If it's spirit-led, it won't be chaos. If it's man-made, it'll be chaos. Okay? Second, the communication principle. Has everyone had a chance to learn? What good is it if we come and have a beautiful dog and pony show and we don't learn anything? My goal is for every one of you, and the, even those on the stream, when the service is over, you can say, you know what, I learned something today. I learned something about God. If that doesn't happen, we failed. The third, respect principle. Is there respect and honor for everyone? You may not always like in particular or prefer a certain person who's up here leading a worship song. Or you may not like someone who's up here speaking. But would you be open to the idea that you'll show respect and honor because God may speak to you through that person? I mean, I, I hate to, I know this is probably not a surprise. If it is, I'm sorry. But I don't always agree with everything that is ever said here. Now, my prayer has always been we will never have someone who speaks here that dishonors Jesus or dishonors the gospel. That's just off the table. But there are things that we may disagree with in the way nuances of the truth or scripture. Um, I, I just have to say, God, help me. I want to I learn. I, I want you to teach me. Some of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned 
came from people that I, I didn't agree with and probably would not have listened to, but I happened to be at a conference or listen to a podcast, and all of a sudden God spoke to me. That's what he's saying. Make sure you give respect. The prophet's spirit is subject to the prophet, and the prophets are subject to that spirit. And we'll talk about that in the fourth one, most important edification principle. Does it move us closer to God? If what happens when we gather does not move us closer to God, why are we gathering? Guys, this is not a pep rally. This is not a political meeting. This is not a rah-rah, some issue, something what. This is about one thing. His name is Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't move us closer, then it isn't worship. You can call it whatever you want, but it's not worship. And so we ask those questions. And I'm making a commitment. Some of you, this is your first time to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Some of you, you're, you're new to church. Church is not something that you've experienced in your life. You didn't grow up in the church. And you're kind of trying to figure out what to expect. And, and is it something you want to keep trying or hang in there? I hope you do. I'm just trying to make a promise to you that we're going to do everything we can so that when you walk out or when you turn the stream off, you can say, you know what? I learned something. And I feel like I'm closer to God than when I turned the stream on when I walked in the door. And if we can get there, I believe that the Lord Jesus will be glorified and your life will be changed. So that's really what Paul is saying. So let's, let's start with the first verse. I'm not going to read verse by verse the first 25 verses. you got homework. Your homework is read 1 through 25. It's great, but it's just Paul talking about, and I'll sum it up for you. It's just Paul talking about his, his preference, okay, and, and, and really what he has come to believe and what his conviction is. So it's really kind of like a preface. Then we get to chapter, uh, later in the chapter, we will read his conclusion, and that's where those four principles come in. Look at verse 1. Before we even start talking about worship, he writes a word. What is the word that begins this chapter? Say it with me. Pursue. You know what that word is? This is something I learned recently. That word is my favorite word in Greek. It's the word dioko. Press on. It's found in Philippians. It's out of my life verse, Philippians 3. 12 through 14. I love when Paul says, I'm not there yet, but I press on. And I'm not looking back and I'm forgetting what's behind me, but I press on. It is a beautiful word. Do you know what's a hunting word? It's literally like someone who is going after a treasure or he's going after a trophy. It's an athletic word. It's what you do to your body to train to be a champion. It means you're after something. You would think a chapter on worship, he would say, pursue worship. What does he say? Pursue love. After all, he just said in chapter 13, so what if you can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love? You're just a clanging, you're just a clanging noise. So what if you have faith to move mountains, but, and you can understand all mysteries, but you don't have love? What does that, what does that help? So you know what that tells me? 
One of the things I want to happen to everybody who walks in this room, I want them to feel and encounter the love of God. So there is no question but what, yes, I feel like I'm loved there. I feel like I matter there. That's why Paul started with that. And he quickly says, tongues are important if you have that gift. But for those who speak in tongues, you are edifying you. I mean, it's a beautiful thing for you. But it really doesn't have effect on anyone else. So Paul says, I would rather speak. In fact, let, let me give you the message version of this. The message version is, is, is um, it's kind of a paraphrase. When I'm in a church assembled for worship, I'd rather say five words that everybody can understand and learn from than say 10,000 that sound to others like gibberish. So what Paul is going to say is he doesn't say tongues are bad. He doesn't say tongues are wrong or they don't exist. He said, no, tongues are great, but why not seek prophecy because people will understand what you're saying. And the church will have a message for the world. And then the last thing that I would summarize those first 25 verses, Paul says the most important thing is that everybody who shows up, even the outsiders, they experience the presence of God. He says that. Now, I got to tell you, when I, when I came here, uh, one of the members early in my time here uh, confronted me. I'll just say it that way. And they said, do you believe that a church service here, are you going to try to build church services where outsiders are welcome? I thought it was a joke or a tr trick question. I said, well, of course I am. And they said, that's not biblical. I said, what do you mean it's not biblical? God never intended outsiders and lost people who don't know Jesus to be in church services. And I'm, I, I stood there. Y'all know what the expression means, like a calf looking at a new gate? I, I use it all the time. People are like, what in the world does that mean? Well, from Arkansas, where I came from, that means you're like, what? What did you just say? And then I realized there's a lot of places that they don't believe the church, the gathering like we're in right now is, is for people who don't know Christ. I beg to differ. And I will go to the mat over this. And I will believe all my days that every time we open the doors, God has a witness waiting on the outside world. Even if they may not understand everything, they will be moved. And, and I'll show you a verse. We, I want to go there now, but let me wait. That's Paul's desire. That they fall on their face and they know that God is there. So I believe that Paul wants everyone to have that experience. That's what I pray for. So the first principle was the order principle. The second one was communication. Third one was respect. And then the fourth one was edification. Read with me as we read the last part of this chapter, starting in verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, 
Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Whatever happens, it needs to be to build up the church. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn. Let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let them each keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh in on what was said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you all, or you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent. Ladies, hang on. I'm coming back to this one in just a second. All right, just don't get up and leave me here. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that it has reached? If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, carefully, carefully and earnestly, desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. May the Lord add his blessing. Chapter 14, one of the most avoided chapters in the whole letter because people, they don't understand it. I love this chapter because it talks about my word for the year. That's not why I love it. I loved it before I ever had that word, but I love it because it helps the church understand what happens when we get together. And I use those four principles or questions that we're going to ask ourselves. Number one, what was the first one? Anybody remember? Order. That doesn't mean are you having fries with that? No, this is order, sequence, design. Is it spirit-led? When they were speaking, there's evidence that they would correct one another and run over one another. And they wouldn't wait for one to finish before the other one jumped in. How many of you, um, this is going to be very indicting to me, how many of you have a bad habit of interrupting your spouse uh, with what you want to say while they're trying to say what, they, can I just get a witness? Oh, there, yeah, she raised his hand for him. That's the way, <laughs> I like that. That's exactly the truth. You know, we're all bad about that. Well, think about that in a worship setting. What does it create? It creates chaos. So the question I want to ask is, is, is all this just man-made chaos? Or is it God's creation? See, God is a God of order. Look at this verse. <laughs> God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And, and if you want proof of that, look at the world you live in. Look at creation. You think God's random? 
You, you think things just happen? God goes, oh, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. No. Everything is designed. Even when the tabernacle, he gave them instructions for the first temple, which was a movable tent called the tabernacle, everything was detailed, even in the temple. So what God wants in the church is he wants that order. And he wants to make sure that things are done in a way that bring honor and glory to him as the creator. So we're going to commit to, doesn't mean that we don't have a plan. Now, I'm very spontaneous. I love making calls. I'm, I, you don't hear it, but I say Omaha a lot up here, uh, which if you know anything about football and Peyton Manning, you know what I'm talking about. I, I've, I'll change the call at the line of scrimmage. There are times I feel like, man, we need to sing that again, or we need to do that. And let me tell you, the day I quit being spontaneous, I'm done. I'm, all, I'm, I'm done, literally. <laughs> Bury me. Because my life has been so impacted by the Spirit of God moving where I never thought he would go. And sometimes I didn't have warning. But I prayed, God, give me sensitivity to follow that. Follow that. Mark Batterson wrote a book about it called Chasing the Wild Goose. I want to live that kind of life. I want worship to be that way, but I want it to reflect God's order, not man's chaos. Second principle. Communication principle. What is that? Has everyone had a chance to learn? Go back to what Paul said. He said, I'd rather speak five words that people can understand than 10,000 that they don't understand. Paul believed that the gathering ought to teach. So you know one of our goals? We want everybody to learn something. My goal is to speak in such a way that a fourth grader can understand what they heard at church. Because that's about the grade level for some, well, never mind. Uh, fourth grader. I'll let you fill in the blank on that one. If a fourth grader understands it, then pretty good idea Adults do. I used to do children's sermons all the time. You know why I did them? Because people in the room could understand the truth as well as the kids. So I just think that sometimes, some of us grew up this way. In fact, let me get a witness. I'm going to ask you to show me your hand. If you remember going to a church service, and whoever spoke was really eloquent. I mean, it, they were really smart, but you didn't understand the thing they said. Can I see your hand? There you go. What good was that for you? I mean, all you could do is say, hey, we had a really smart guy today. Paul said, what good is that? We need to be able to learn. And so my goal, greatest compliment you could pay me is, man, I learned something today about God. That's the greatest compliment because that meant communication. And that's our goal for everyone who stands here. Third, Respect principle. Is there respect and honor for everyone? What that means is Paul said, hey, listen to whoever's prophesying. Listen to whoever's speaking because God may be speaking through them. And then he goes <laughs> into this little verse about women. Okay, so let me put the verse back up. Now, this is something that I have believed since I dove in and really started working through this. I read a lot of stuff. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Does it mean you have to believe this? No. 
But it's what God has shown me, and it's helped me to understand what Paul was wanting in the body of Christ. All right, let's start here. For God is not a God of confusion, but peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands. Did you know that the word for woman or women is the same word for wife? It's the Greek word gune. Okay, same word. What if that word should be translated wife? The wife should keep silent in the church, not permitted to speak, but should submission, which we know there is scripture about women, wife, excuse me, wife submitting. And if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask for, at their husband at home. If that's just women, all women, then Paul must have assumed no single women go to church because they don't have a husband to ask. Paul was trying to say, Ladies, remember, respect your husband. I think it was the wives of the prophets. And the wives of the prophets were asking questions in public. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Rachel's not here in this service, but I'm going to still talk about her. What if she sits in the balcony? What if she just stood up and said, David, you know, I don't, I, I don't agree. With, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's right. I think it should be different. And you're sitting there going, oh, shouldn't y'all have this discussion at home? Yeah. You see, it makes perfect sense. Let them learn at home. Now, respect goes both ways. The prophet needs to respect his wife. God may be speaking through her. So you can't just say it's a one-way street when it comes to respect. But in this church in Corinth, there must have been something happening where the wives of the prophets were speaking up in the service and maybe even arguing with their husband. And Paul said, no, 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 there's a lot better way to do this. That's what I believe about that. Now, whether it is a wife, a woman, or whatever, are you willing to believe that you can learn from anyone who speaks in a prophetic role in this church? Are you willing? And let me, let me push back on that a minute. I've actually come to places where I didn't want to hear because I didn't particularly like that person. I didn't particularly like maybe an idea they had about the second coming or an idea about whatever. But I was there, and they were the ones speaking. Now, that doesn't happen here as much because we try to make sure whoever speaks here is, is aligned with us pretty much. But I've been to conferences where I sat and I didn't want to listen and God taught me great truths. You see, what I pray that we understand what Paul was trying to say is God can use different people in your life. Husbands, listen to your wife. Wives, listen to your husband. Listen to those who are speaking at church. If it's not your favorite worship leader up there, it's okay. They might lead you to the same God. We come with so many preferences. And sometimes those preferences make us unteachable. That is not a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is say, Lord, teach me. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. 
Teach me in any way. In fact, let me show you a verse that I like. He says, uh, or was it from you that the word of God came? In other words, are you the only one that got the Bible? Or are you the only ones it has reached? In other words, when you have that sense of arrogance that I only like this person or only like that person, it's almost as if you're the only one that God gave his word to. No. God can speak to a lot of people. He spoke to a donkey one time. A great word from a donkey. He does that every Sunday here when I'm up. I mean, it's just simple. <laughs> Listen and have respect. And then the last thing, edification. Does it move people closer to God? Does it really help somebody grow in their relationship? And look at this verse. <laughs> he says, so with yourself, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit... Strive to excel in building up the church. People are really crazy about manifestation of the Spirit. I mean, they want power. They want this. They want that. I want to do cool things, see cool things. What if you ask God instead of all that, I just want to edify the church. I want the church to be encouraged. I want people to be blessed and, and people to be lifted up. If it doesn't move us closer to God, why do we do it? Can I tell you how this lands for me? When we meet and we plan a service and we start working on a moment like this, what if we really don't care and we don't ask the questions and we don't do the hard work of hearing from God? Oh, it's okay. We just, we just wasted an hour. It's basically an hour. No, we didn't. We wasted 5,000 hours. We didn't just waste one hour. We wasted your hour and your hour and your hour and your hour and your hour. And we believe that the gift you've given us by being present, the gift you've given us by being on the stream is a gift that matters. And God help us to do what we should do to move you closer to the source of all life. Amen? That's what a church ought to do for me or you and for all of us. So Paul says, what if there's an atmosphere in the church that when an unbeliever or an outsider comes in, look at this. Therefore, if the whole church comes together and we all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, they're going to say, y'all are crazy. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all and he's called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, and here's the, man, here's the killer part of this. Falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's an outsider. That's somebody that's not even a follower of Christ. But they come and they learn something and they sense God is here and they end up worshiping the same God. That is what I pray happens Every time we gather. And I have such great fondness in my heart for people who've told me stories about the day they showed up in church. They didn't want to be there. The only reason they came is because her wife made them. And this particular man became one of my closest friends. And he fell in love with Jesus that day. And his life was never the same. How many of you, the first time you went into church, you didn't want to be there. You pushed back. But God ended up changing your life 
from that day forward. Let me just see. Anybody got a testimony like that? I started to ask, how many of you don't want to be here now? Let's, let's go ahead and be honest, right? The truth is, if we ask him, God will move here among us. I long for encounters with God. I want everybody to have an encounter with God. I don't get to choose those encounters. Neither do you. God does what he does. But I get to choose how I respond. That's worship. That's worship. And today, I choose to worship because God has been good. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.